This is Ed. And Jack. And we're up, up on, on a rack. rack. And we're talking cars. With crinkles in them. Hey, you know the scene. You pop into the corner store for a six-pack of Bear Whiz. You come out, you find some bozo has backed into the side of your car and split. Or maybe lightning hits the telephone pole in front of your house and it falls on your car. Happens in my neighborhood all the time. What it means is you got to go looking for a body shop, which is like playing Russian roulette with slugs in every chamber. So here's a few tips on how to fix your tractor without having to sell the farm. Just watch out for places called Mondo Bondo. They're just going to fill the dents with silly putty and spray paint it. You can check it out by hurling yourself against the part of the car they've repaired. If you bounce off, beware. And if you're driving along and somebody sideswipes you, then pulls in front to show you their bumper sticker, which reads, Follow me to Ed's Fender Bender Boutique. I'd say right. When he takes a left, you, you take a right. right. This is Ed. And this is Jack, and we're up on a rack. Hi, Pete here at the Digital Diner. Today I stopped at a new Java Shack that has just sprung up in the corner of the gas station next to my therapist's building. I took away a large decaf latte and a rejuvenated card that promised a free cup of regular Joe after I'd come by and gotten juiced another nine times. I'm getting these to be punched cards everywhere. I went to purchase some bubble bath for my significant other and got a card that promised free bubbles after they had carefully hand-stamped $100 worth of purchases in the future. I'm awash with these cards, including the one I just got from the car wash. Well, perhaps these cards could be put to other more personal uses. Two people on a first date could punch each other's expectation cards, and after 10 successful encounters, the cards would be traded in for a free, intimate moment. Or politicians could distribute cards, which we, the general public, would punch every time they kept a promise. If they don't keep the promise, maybe we get to punch them, but that's another solution set altogether. Anyway, after keeping 10 promises, and that's a lot, they get a free term in office. Probably most of their times will have expired before they can make good on 10. Talking about politicians, there's a picture in today's paper of Bob Dole, Pete Wilson, the governor of California, and his attorney general, Dan Lundgren, and they all look mad. Maybe disgruntled is a better term. These guys, and most of their Republican cohorts, look like angry men, the archetypal disapproving father, while the pictures of Bill Clinton show him looking more and more like Robert Redford in a really important job. I think the basic Republican strategy for this election is to look as stern and unhappy as possible, delivering their message of disapproval almost entirely with facial expressions. Who needs a coherent message when you can say it all with a scowl? There are more good lines in Bob Dole's face than in his stump speech. I guess Bob is making up for the all-too-public fact that he is perceived as having no Elvis. A mordant wit, yes. Elvis, no. That's why he's trailing the king by 27 points among women. Maybe he could take a tip from Boris Yeltsin and start doing the twist on stage with teeny boppers at rock concerts. If there's any Elvis in him at all, that would bring it right to the surface. This is Pete at the Diner. Thanks for the click. Hello, I'm Hal Stark, prisoner of the 20th century. I've read that the auto industry is having the worst year in its history, but I can't lose any sleep over Detroit's decline. I'm too busy standing in my third line today here at a Lucky Toad supermarket, buying another pack of gum so I'll have enough change for the parking meters. And when I'm not standing in line like some poor Russian, I'm standing in front of a pole in my neighborhood trying to catch up with the latest parking regulations. They put one up this morning that says, head in subcompact parking only between 6 a.m. and low tide, except for street cleaning Tuesdays. And the one under it read, cars displaying permit B on alternate days will be towed.
Ruth. Oh, good. She's given me three quarters in change. <laughs> That'll buy me 12 minutes. Gee, that ought to be enough time to stand in line for more change. This is Hal Stark, prisoner of the 20th century. Greetings. This is Max Midas with the Midas Touch. Ever been out with a classy date in a trendy joint and she wants something to drink? And the next thing you know, some dude puts a leather-bound encyclopedia on the table and says, Wineless, monsieur? Well, don't panic. I'll teach you everything you need to impress that date, subdue the wine steward, and walk out of the restaurant with your wallet still intact. How do you do it? Look the master vintner right in his bloodshot eye and say, I'm seeking a young, low-end varietal that will complement both meat and fish. That's wine code for a cheap rosé. When the waiter brings the bottle to your table, he'll extract the cork and place it in front of you. Remember, don't eat it. Squeeze it, smell it, and put it down again. Then he'll pour a dash into your glass. Don't drink it. Swirl it, smell it, sip it, and slosh it around. Then swallow it. Wink at the waiter and say, good nose, nice legs, great body, excellent taste. He'll think you're complimenting him. Your date will think you're complimenting her, but you'll be complimenting me, Max Midas, for giving you the Midas Touch. Hello, I'm Mrs. Marv Mendenhall. There are many helpful household hints that keep my brood happy, clean, and well-fed. Keeping track of leftovers for sandwiches can be a problem. Those little pieces of lunch meat and cheese can get lost and moldy in a big Ken bar. So here's what Mrs. Marv does. I took an old Rolodex and attached the leftovers to the address cards. Then you simply file them under M for meat, or B for brown schwager, or C for cheese food, or G for gorgonzola. Then the hungry hordes home from shredding or hip-hopping just go to the fridge and flip to their ready-cut sandwich fixins. It only takes a couple of hours a day to attach the leftovers, and think of the money you'll save on wasted food. This is Mrs. Marv Mendenhall, hoping you'll be helpful in your household. Bye-bye now, uh-huh. The O.J. Simpson interview on black entertainment television was constantly interrupted by ads for pantyhose. Simpson was accused of murder, not bank robbery. Health officials are concerned that 400 people aboard an Amtrak train may have been exposed to tuberculosis from a sick passenger. Yeah, if tuberculosis doesn't get you, Amtrak will. This is Ed and Jack, and we're up on a rack, and we're talking cars. Used cars and how to buy them right out of the newspaper, because trying to interpret those classified ads is like reading a foreign language. Here's an ad that says the car is fully loaded. Fully loaded with what? Problems? Problems? Maybe the owner was fully loaded when he wrote the ad. And what does auto air mean? That every time you start the car, the air conditioning starts too? In the dead of winter, that, that could, could kill, kill you. This one says one owner, very clean. <laughs> Uh-oh, maybe he has to clean himself every time he gets out of his filthy car. And one owner probably means this bozo can't get rid of this pile of junk. Watch out for the one that says transportation special, yeah. great gas mileage. What's special about it is it, it won't, won't start. start. And your MPH is bound to be great when all you're doing is pushing it up hills and coasting to the next mechanic. This is Ed. And Jack, and we're up on a rack. Yes, of course. I'm Dot Duncan, and this is my memoir. I remember I was going to test for the role of Scarlett O'Hara. Everyone was doing it. But on the day I was to lens my test, Olivia de Havilland was there, too. She really wanted to be Scarlett, not Melanie. 
and she came into my dressing room to wish me luck, and when she hugged me, she put gum in my hair. I was devastated. I couldn't go on, of course. It was out of the question. Well, Edna May Oliver heard wind of this, and she threw me in her sports car and drove me straight to the Brown Derby. We called Bill Frawley and Pert Kelton, Laird Krieger, Zazu Pitts, Broad Crawford, and Vic McClagland. Oh, what a crowd. We had lots of martinis and put on little brown derbies and mimed eating our food until it was actually served. The waiter was so flummoxed. Oh, we all laughed and laughed. Welcome to the Digital Diner. I'm your host, Pete. Sit down and have a cup of coffee, the new drug of choice. As you can see, I have a big blue French mug of decaf near me as I intone these very words. I wonder if this is what it must have been like 400 years ago in Renaissance England when the dudes would gather to buzz on coffee and tobacco and dream of the new world. The difference now is there are dudes and dudettes in the coffee shops together, but much less tobacco. Although the Elizabethan era cigar is resurgent, Arnold Schwarzenegger has cigar night once a month in his restaurant around the corner from here. To attend, you have to be physically smaller than the cigar you smoke or have a testosterone level 300% greater than a silverback gorilla. So the dudettes have joined the dudes in the coffee shop, throwing back mocha joes like their Elizabethan counterparts. But instead of dreaming of the new world, they're dreaming in it, and it's a dream at the speed of life. The rush of the electronic revolution as it batters against every cell in our bodies and fires our imaginations must replicate the overwhelming sense of limitless horizons that overcame the citizens of the Renaissance when they caught their first teetering glimpse of the new world. The good people of England, France, Portugal, and Spain sent their captains out upon the uncharted seas to explore and bring back fascinating tales and otherworldly trinkets. We of the electronic renaissance, equally fortified by java bean dreams, send not boats, but bots, pieces of smart code, out onto the net where they sail and search until they find the prize we have programmed them to discover and deliver. The first renaissance produced Shakespeare. What is the Shakespearean counterpart of the electronic renaissance? Will the search engine evolve into the next timeless playwright, spitting out endless lists of referenced material residing on an infinite domain of websites until at the very end of the new world, from this totally dense chaos, a new hamlet pops out of the stew? Will a tombstone of the end of this millennium read, hooked up, tapped out, wired everywhere with nothing to say? This is Pete at the Diner. Thanks for the click. This is Ed. And this is Jack. And we're up, up on the rack. And we're talking cars. cars. Stolen cars and how to prevent them. Hey, it's a terrible thing to come out of your liquor store to discover that your car ain't in the handicapped parking where you left it. Oh, uh, sure, you can prevent theft of your radio by purchasing a pull-out model you carry around like a high-tech handbag. But how in the heck can you carry your Camaro? My bank's been carrying mine for three years. <laughs> but there is a way to keep your chariot from being lifted by the local louts in the hood. Try a carry-out carburetor. All we're talking about here is unscrewing a spark plug or two and carrying them around in your pocket. That'll screw up the coffees before they can screw you. These little secrets can help you in your family life as well. Let's say your kid wants to borrow the car and you just can't say no. Well, don't. Say, say yes. yes. Then sneak out to the garage and pull the plugs on it's it. It's a rotten trick, but it's a lot less painful than trying to remove a moving violation from your kid's record. This is it. And Jack, and we're up, up on the rack. rack. It's Sneak Preview with Proctor and Bergman. 
Hi, our guest today is the president of the Midas Touch, Max Midas. Hiya, Max. Hi, Phil. What new product are you selling today? Well, it's, uh, well, let me riddle you with it, okay? Okay. Cher's got one on her boob. Yeah. Madonna's got one on her butt. Her butt. And Roseanne and Tom share one. What am I talking about? Oh, oh, tattoos. Well, tattoos is really a savage word. <laughs> Sounds like Filipino for ouch. I'm talking more about putting logos on locals than uh, pictures on pagans. Well, what do you call them, then? I call them status stickers. Is that one on your arm? Yeah, right here. See what it says? Well, it says, uh, my other date tonight is a Kennedy. Yeah, well, look at this one on my chest, huh? Oh, uh, uh, body by Armani. Yeah, okay, and how about here on the back? Spine by Calvin Klein. Yeah, here, here, what on the butt? Uh, ass by Bill Blass. Yeah. I'm impressed. And the best thing is, is that they're removable. Now, look, I'll just take this one off the Bill Blass one, put a W on each cheek. What does that say, huh? Wow. Oh, you get it. Proctor and Bergman here in Hollywood with TV and movie star John Goodman. John, you requested that we conduct this interview in our offices. That's right. Uh, you see, I have a few occupations on the side just in case, God forbid, my fans should figure out that I really have no talent. That is a major problem in our industry. That's why I took up Feng Shui, the ancient Chinese art of arranging workspace to achieve prosperity through harmony and balance. Huh? Yeah. So, see that lamp over there? It's, yeah. it's not in balance with that chair. Well, we'll just move it then. No, no. We use Feng Shui. Oh. Slice that lamp in two with your hand. Yes. The half remaining on the desk is in harmony with the chair. But without the light, we can't read. Yes, but if you sit in the chair and close your eyes, you'll see the harmony. Uh-huh. Now the computer, the printer, and the fax machine are not in harmony with the desk. John! Oh.